What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about video games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined across the power of the internet by my co-host, Rachel Mogan. Buongiorno. Buongiorno to you as well. How are you this fine doing Saturday morning? Very excellent. It is. Well, I'm not doing so good. It's cold. It's freaking cold. And I you hate don't like it. the cold. It, it's funny. I hate winter, but I'm a winter baby. I was born oh. in the winter. Oh, I love like, the cold. I hate the cold, but I do get to have this nice, lovely, as of yet, undecorated Christmas tree behind me. So it that's smells true. great. And that's really all. Oh, I, I bet. Because it's a real one, right? You're it's telling a real me? Tree. Ooh, I sprung nice. for a Douglas fir this year. Oh, mm. it's got those the fanciest of trees. Fine. It actually wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know like what the tree rankings are, but I got it. I don't either. I just thought fir. it sounded, you know. Yeah. Balsam fir is like low tier. And then okay, it's like yeah, don't want Douglas that. fir. And then there's like a bl- blue express fir. A, a, a noble fir, like a blue, <laughs> a blue noble or something. I don't know. The point is trees shouldn't be. I mean, they should be expensive. It's a natural resource. Never mind. We're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about trees. <laughs> hey, but you know what the cold is good for? The cold is good to, as another reason to sit inside and get to enjoy some wonderful video games or listen to some people talk about some wonderful video games like we're about to do. But you can listen to new episodes of the show each and every Tuesday. Those come out on 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, as well as head over to our YouTube channel, where you can watch a video version of each episode there. You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can join our Discord server, where we have a lot of fun talking about things, games, movies, TV, music, whatever else. We actually have a lot of uh, a lot of good art content being put, talked about in there. Some great yeah. coffee-making content yeah. lately being discussed. Some good Skyrim adventures slash misadventures being shared there. It's a great place to hang out. So come, come hang out with us there over on the old Discord. Links for all that are in the description below. And finally, if you want to help make the show bigger and better, you can do that by going over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast. Where's for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show. And in return, we'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release. And uh, patrons at our $5 tier even get access to the Team Chit Chat patron exclusive show. Well, or it has its Patreon exclusivity for two weeks before it goes out before its general release. And that is another show where Mogan and I just talk about whatever we feel like talking about. But the only caveat is it can't games so that's where you get to know about us a little bit more other than all of our opinions and thoughts on the video game world and so we uh had taken a little break with that to put that on hiatus during all the quarantine times but it's back our new episode is uh is out right now and we'll be having another one uh coming out soon as well so, so uh, a lot of great stuff to check out there over on the old Patreon. But if you can't support us there, no big deal. We totally understand and really love and appreciate everyone who listens to the show because you can also help us make the show bigger and better by in free ways, such as telling your friends, writing us reviews, and just, you know, subscribing on all the different channels where you where you listen or to or engage with our content. So a big thank you and love to all of our patrons and listeners alike. Heart love you. emojis. By the way, I was thinking like, man, Jared's a trendsetter because we just did your team chit chat about that show, the name of which I cannot remember right now. Oh, Ted Lasso. There we go. In my head, I could only think of Ted Bundy. And I was like, I know that's not right. Oh, no, 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 no. That's definitely not right. (laughs) Wait, so that means you haven't watched it then. 
it, I haven't watched it, but God all of a sudden I've started seeing all of these other articles that are like, oh, you got to check out Ted Lasso. And I'm like, Jared did that first. You're all posters. Did it first. Did it first. I know. I've been I seeing, mean, uh, I've been seeing on Twitter and everything. The, uh, Gary Witta has been like, who's like, was writer of Rogue One also does a lot of video game, uh, news and stuff like that too. And a lot of writing for that. He was, he's been posting that they were just watching it. And I was like, hello. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> should have come to just, this. This guy first. I yeah. want to set you on the straight and narrow. I just, you know I think mean? it's so funny because I didn't hear anything about that show until you talked about it. And then it was all over the place. I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. That's Hashtag what we do here at Tim, Influencer at, uh, Life. Exactly. That's what we do here at Team Chat Podcast. We set those trends for you all to get to enjoy and listen to. But before we get into the main topic of the day, which we have a couple of great first impressions coming to you for a couple of games that we've both started playing, let's get a little bit of news and what's coming out soon in our moment with Mogan. Okay, we are going to backtrack a little bit because last week was our stream week. So we are going to go back to the 1st of December and then work our way up from there. So Kronos Before the Ashes is out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC. Empire of Sin, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, and Mac. Hey. Mac got one. How about that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Rainbow Six Siege is now out for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox X and Series S. So obviously that's not a new game, but it did get a port to the new consoles. Uh, Red Dead Online is now out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Twin Mirror, a game I know nothing about, but it sounds cool, uh, is out for <laughs> PS4, Xbox One, and PC as well. Worms Rumble. That sounds delightful. Is out for PlayStation 5 and 4 ah. and PC. Now, this game, I actually I didn't realize it was coming out this month, and I know it's already out. And I'm like, man, I really want to play it. But it's kind of one of those ones that I want to save for when I do eventually get my hands on a next-gen console. It mm-hmm. is Immortals Phoenix Rising. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I had no idea it was coming out this early. I thought it I, wasn't coming out until next year. I know. I, uh, I I do want to play that one, too. Yeah. It, it does look a lot of fun because it's uh, like a nice hybrid of Assassin's Creed and um, Breath of the Wild. So, yeah. yeah what I thought that might appeal to you is that the combat does appear to be much more involved. So I feel mm-hmm. like when you because, you know, you didn't love Breath of the Wild. You tried. I've tried, tried real hard. But <laughs> and I'll still go back to it every once in a while. Someday, but yeah, someday it'll still switch to Breath of the Wild 3 will be coming out. And I'm like, yeah, just beat yeah. Breath of the Wild 1. What did I miss? Sweet. Excellent. <laughs> but anyways, Immortals Phoenix Rising is out now for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC. So it's Damn. out for everything except Mac. <laughs> oh, F's in the Poor chat. Mac users. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest. Oh God, Roman numerals. Dra- Dragon Quest Eleven S. Echoes of an elusive age. That's a mouthful. Definitive edition. Oh God, I even missed part of it. Dragon Quest Eleven S. Echoes of an elusive age. Definitive edition is out now for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Okay, we're almost done. Uh, <laughs> I might even skip this one because it's not even worth my words. It's a FIFA game. Skip. Fire Emblem. Dragon, Sh- excuse me, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light is out now for the Nintendo Switch. Fitness Boxing 2. I knew it was coming out, but I didn't know it was coming out now. I love Fitness Boxing. Uh, fitness Boxing 2, a Rhythm and Exercise, is out now for the Nintendo Switch. John Wick Hex is out for mm. Xbox One and Switch. Weren't you interested in this game? I played it, I bought it and on PC when it came out, and I played through the first few levels. It's fun. It's also just one of those games where it's like, um, 
and it's one I don't know. I say I'll go back to it, but who knows if I ever will. Probably not. But it's <laughs> it's one of those where you kind of like uh have to you click and like direct the paths that John has to follow. All of your but all of your actions take a certain amount of time and you have to combine that time against your opponent's timing and how they move. So you have to like so like you could go for uh, use your gun to shoot the person, but that's going to take 10 milliseconds as opposed to just n- punching them and knocking them out, which only takes five milliseconds because it takes them like three set milliseconds or whatever to move it into range or something like that. It's just so like it's a, com- like a it, it's a it's pretty complex. Game. I didn't yes. realize that. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it's a, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it, it's again, it's a little bit more math. Than I want to do when I'm looking yeah. for a casual gaming experience. That's a hashtag so. no from me. But but if math, <laughs> but action- it looks, <laughs> but it looks really cool. It is it, the art style is like um is more of like a graphic novel. I'd say is what I describe it at. Soundtrack is great. Austin Wintory does the soundtrack. I have the soundtrack. It's fantastic. And Mike Bithel is the one who uh, developed it. So it's uh he's does some really great games as well. So yeah, it's it's good. It's just um uh, it's just you. Very, yeah, strategy geared. Well, if that's up your alley, it is out now for Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. So is Madden NFL 21, skip. Uh, Call of the Sea. <laughs> um, ooh, Call of the Sea, that sounds familiar. Anyways, whatever. It's for Xbox X, Xbox Series X, S, One, and PC, so basically all Microsoft platforms. Destiny 2 is out now for the PS5 and Xbox X and S. Destiny 2 Beyond Light, also out for the all of the new age consoles. Doom Eternal is now out for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 is out for PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. <clears throat> Temtem. If you don't know what Temtem is, it's kind of like a... Not a ripoff, but it's definitely... Um, a take on Pokemon, yeah. but I've actually heard a lot of good things about Temtem. So Temtem is now out for the PlayStation 5, if you have that. Oh, excuse me, we've actually made it into the, almost into the future. Out today, on December 8th. There, we're, we're caught up to the present time. So as of today, Temtem is out for PS5. So is Brigandine, the Legend of Runergia. That sounds interesting. Uh, that's available for PlayStation 4 on December 10th. Cyberpunk 20s? I'm, I'm like worried about saying it just in case it got delayed again. But in theory. <laughs> so far, it hasn't. Theory. As of this recording, it is not yet. So we, we, we are five days away. That Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> is out on December 10th for PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. Uh, Haven is out for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series XNS, Xbox One, and PC on December 10th as well. So is Orwell's Animal Farm for PC. I didn't know they were making a game about that. I don't know what. Interesting. I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. That's an interesting choice for a game. Okay. Fascinating. (laughs) I might have to look up a trailer for that or something. I've not heard that was coming out. Weird. Uh, Weird, But (laughs) Sword of the Necromancer (laughs) is coming out on the 10th as well for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC. uh, And that's all of them. Wildfire on PlayStation 5, Xbox Scarlet. I'm just going to abbreviate. It's the Scarlet. PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch on December 10th as well. Wood Salt. 
don't know what that is. Sounds tasty. Uh, that's mm. for Switch and PC on December 10. So is... Oh, and that's actually all of it. Thank God. December that's is That's a long like, list. A lot of it, stuff coming out in December. It's because of this dang overlap with the PS5. Obviously, a ton of these were ports. So a lot of right, these are games right. that were already out, but they're making it to either different consoles or new consoles. But, you know, that's important. Obviously, important. when Ori and the Will of the Wisp came to Switch, I was like, hell yes, finally. It's my turn. So... Even if they're not brand new games, they might be new to you. So still important. Very much, very much so. Uh, just because we we watched it last night, but all this like reading of like the the Roman numerals you had to read, the Xbox Series X and S, all that stuff. We watched the episode of Thirty Rock last night where Kenneth applies to be a pa- uh, to be a page at the Beijing Olympics. Oh yeah! And he walks into Hornberger's, and it was just made me think of this when he walks into Hornberger's office and he says. Hi, Mr. Hornberger. I'm here to apply. Are you going to the Beijing? <laughs> he doesn't say the like Roman numerals, right? He tries to just like pronounce them. <laughs> oh my God, Kenneth. Are so you you'll, Beijing you'll, Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> you'll love this, Jared. Um, so for those of you that don't know, we'll have to talk about 30 Rocks someday on the Team Chit Chat because yeah. Jared and I both love that show. And here just over the most recent break, Bro Mogan was finally watching 30 Rock on TV, but just like random assorted episodes. He hadn't Guess- seen it yet? No, he hadn't really seen it yet. Guess which episodes we totally got to watch together. My bones, Jack. My bones, Jack. It was so bones. <laughs> and I finally got to explain to him, like, this is one of Jared and I's running jokes. I, I know. Bones. My bones, Jack. <laughs> that so, episode uh oh yeah go sorry go ahead i was just gonna say so now like every time any discussion of like bones comes up he'll he'll like type it out and he'll be like ma m-a-h and then bones is like lowercase b uppercase o uppercase N. it's really funny <laughs> my bones jack jack my bones oh my god just cracks me up i'm so happy i got to share that with him oh man that's awesome i love that show it is so good i honestly think that that episode uh that i was just talking about that we watched last night cooter it's the season finale of of season two i think that is one of the best if not the best comedic episode of television i it just like it hits me in all the right ways this is a conversation for another time but still it's just like it's so good i love that one you got uh, matthew broderick in it and all this stuff oh it's a good one but uh sadly no we are not here to gush over 30 rock for the next hour but we We could talk about video games we gotta talk about video games (laughs) whatever it's what the people want it's why they're here it's what we'll give it to them all right fine let's do it but we do have like i said Two great first impressions of some games. One new, one a little old, a year-ish old, maybe, uh, something like that. Yeah, maybe actually a little older like than that. that, but we'll talk about it. Sure. Uh, but so the games are Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I'll be talking about here first. And then Mogan is going to follow up with first impressions of Return of the Obra Din, which I'm yeah. very curious to hear about because yeah. I really don't know much about that game at all. So pretty excited about it. It's hard to describe. Not as Ooh. hard to describe as Paradise Killer was, but that still was a challenge of a game, describe. and you and you did it so well. <laughs> so I have no is doubt. At least a little bit more straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump in then with my first impressions of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So it's. This kind of came on a whim of me buying it because this was one originally I was kind of like, I want to wait. I think I want to wait until next gen or I either want to wait until I finally get a PS5 or I want to wait until I finish Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I'm still derping my way through that game here and there. And but then last weekend, sitting at home for four days during the Thanksgiving break, and I was like, nah, 
I'm just I, I, I feel the call. I feel the call of the Viking horns signifying their raids. It's about to raid my life like they're raiding these villages. And so I decided to go ahead and pick it up. And uh, it has been a treat, I will say. I've got some like sm- small issues with it that I'll talk about. But really, though, it seems to be a nice combination of the two more recent Assassin's Creed games, Origins and Odyssey, tying it back with a lo- taking things from those games and new innovations to the series, but then really well tying it back and bringing in a lot of things from the older Assassin's Creed games like 2, 3, and 4. So that has been really fun for me because Odyssey and Origins definitely veered into like more of a heavier RPG kind of system and more of like it wasn't you could still do assassinations, but those assassinations and stealth kind of lost their importance, importance. I guess I would say. It did become more about like, like you couldn't even assassinate people in one hit kind of stuff. You couldn't, even if you got like the drop on them from way up top on a building, which was like the staple of the older games. It's like you got the, if you could get into range to assassinate the person, especially if it was like a target, they were just dead. And so, and so you would be able to take them out one hit. Those games like you not only were the the stealth parts lessened like you didn't you no longer blended in with crowds you couldn't sit on a bench to escape um escape detection it, well, that kind of stuff wasn't in as odyssey and origins and then also too they kind of like lessened in those games the importance even of like the assassination the assassinations you could take out like key players that you're supposed to cuz like in in odyssey there's this organization the cultists is what they're called they're like the big baddies this network of big bads and you would eventually throughout the game uncover these clues and hints about them and then that's who would reveal their identity then you'd have to go kill them well so you're doing this though but the thing is though you would go and you would take out those cultists you would assassinate them and that'd be just it they die they'd give you some resource or something like that but the old games were very much of when you assassinated the targets it like was impactful in the sense that you got this really great like cinematic <laughs> of Ezio or whoever it was you were playing out of this, in that game you would have like this moment of like a monologue in like this like you would stab the person and then they would be like dead and then it would cut to this scene of you talking to them in kind of like a purgatory-esque place where they would be like, oh, I can't believe you did this, but like, you will not stop us and all this stuff. And then you'd find, you'd like, then you deliver the like final death blow. Ezio would like close their eyes, rescue out in Pache. And it was also very cool. <laughs> well, that is back in this, in Valhalla, where you nice. assa- make the assassinations on the big targets and you get those scenes again. You get that importance. Stealth is back and in bigger influence. You are, um, you know, able to, again, sit on a bench to blend in. You can blend in with a group of, of monks or townspeople to be able to, you know, stay away, uh, avoid detection of guards. All one hit assassinations are, are also coming back too. So it's, there's a lot of great stuff like that in it already, but obviously the biggest change of this game, which I probably should have jumped into a little bit before this is that it takes place in Norway. You are playing as Eivor of the Raven clan who can be either male or female. You can choose at the beginning of the game, which you want to play as, or you can even play as an option where the game will switch in between them at various points, oh, which I'm not quite sure how that would work. I didn't necessarily, I thought about playing it that way, but I was like, mm, nah. So I went with female Eivor because she's sure. Yeah. Why and not? so, um, 
I've really enjoyed it so far because it is also. So, you know, obviously too, like the Vikings, Norse and stuff like that has been a very, a very prevalent, again, it's kind of like a ghostly figures in games. Like what we were talking about. So hot right now. Yeah, it's, it's so you know, hot right now. So hot right now. <laughs> Vikings and Norse uh, in Norse games, but I'm here for it. And so it's been very fun getting to explore these regions and like obviously Assassin's Creed games are very well known for their for their open world and just being able to explore like old Norway ancient England you know and stuff like that has been a treat because it's even in that perfect area where there are still like Ro- uh, Roman ruins in, oh, in yeah. like England and stuff like like Hadrian's Wall stuff like that so it's a really cool especially after just coming from Odyssey which I know Odyssey yes is Greek but still, like kind of seeing those like remnants and like even that kind of tying the game together in a way is really cool to see. I have a dumb question. Um, how much of the game actually does take place in Norway? Because the trailer made it seem like Norway, old news, England, new news. So it's, do you actually get to go back and forth mm-hmm. or once you really? Yeah, you can go back and forth. And so I, I've done only enough in Norway to for the, what you do at the beginning part of the game and then before you do depart for England. So I'm very still early in the early settlement stages of of, of trying to set up a new clan and everything like that in England. Uh, but it's very cool, though, because Norway is very icy, snow-covered and everything, and then you get to England and it's suddenly, like, summery and, and bright, and you're just like, oh, it's very First of all, here. that's false but, advertising. That's propaganda. <laughs> that's England but, propaganda. I will say, though, this game does have a lot of dynamic weather effects, though. So that just it's like the day that you got there happened to be sunny. But I've had so many days where it's been just rainy, typical England. And then even two, though, it's like foggy. And which is a very which is a I feel like one weather effect that you don't see. Yeah, a a lot in games. I wonder. it looks really good though. Like I wonder it's, if it's really because fun. it's just like maybe a pain to animate. I wonder how I would far imagine work. to like, you know, because it's not like smoke that's only like in a specific part of the screen. It's and like it covers away. your whole experience. And so like how do you make it transparent enough but still opaque enough to like be able to see and be like, "Huh, that's fog." But it really does, especially in this one area I've been exploring in was like kind of a marsh swamp area. Doing that in like a foggy setting was, ooh, it's just it was really cool. Jared, uh, watch. Fog is going to be the new, that's so hot right now. <laughs> We're it gonna really will be. All fog, all 2021 and 2022. It's going to be the new hot thing. I it can, is. It I is. feel it in, in my well, bones. Especially because if it is something that say like the newer technology of the PS5 and, and stuff like that and the Xbox Series X is allowing for. So yeah, I'm sure yeah. we'll see like a lot more of that stuff. Granted, I will say I'm playing it on PS4 since I don't have the PS5 yet, but it still does look really good. I think there are, I can tell some things where I'm like, okay, I can tell where if I was playing on the PS5, this would look a lot better. Like yeah. just sometimes with a little bit of the um, textures look a little flatter than what I would expect. Overall though, the game, like the game's gorgeous. Don't take that to mean like the game looks bad. The game looks great. It looks really, really good. And so, um, let's see some other things that they brought back that I might've missed in a more recent one, but I, but I feel like I haven't heard a big deal about this. When you're riding on horseback, you can actually do assassinations from horseback. You like stand up on your saddle and like in a crouch and then be able to jump off onto enemies and stuff like that. That was one I remembered from the Ezio games. Huh. So that I was like, when I was able to do that, I was like, Oh man, this is so cool. They brought this back. And then, um, the other really cool little touch 
just to make load screens a little bit more bearable. They brought back that you can run around as your character in that like purgatory space that you can like run around in that as you're waiting for a load screen. There's nothing there. It's like foggy and just like a blank screen with your character there really. But you get to at least just run around, do like cool camera angles as you get to see Eivor just like trudging along and stuff. It's more than just, it's better than just like reading a tip screen. Exactly. Uh, Just anything to make load screens for as long as we still have them with us in our lives. Anything to make them more fun or just bearable. Like, like, like Google, when the internet's out, the dinosaur, he comes to your Still rescue. Still play the dinosaur. Exactly. Yeah. It's the exact same kind of thing. So you get that stuff, which is really fun because that is another old one from uh, from before. The combat and everything is a lot, is kind of similar, more in tone to like Odyssey than the older games. Because in the older games, it really was like you would attack and you would, you can like dodge or, or parry. And then you could just go on like a killing spree because that like basically unlocks God mode, basically, if you parry one person. But uh, this one is a little bit more where it's like enemies have a stun meter that if you wear it down, you can do like a special stun attack that does like tons of damage. You can use like one handed weapons, two handed weapons. You could use two. You can dual wield like I've been running around for a little bit with an axe and a flail, which has been fantastic because everybody that. Have you done double shields yet? The turtle? Not yet. I actually, just got, I actually just got my second shield, so I need to try that out, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's an option you could do. You can literally just run around with two shields and just bash the shit out of people. God, see, that sounds fun. That's the yeah. part of the game where I was well, like, oh, that does sound actually really fun. <laughs> well, and, like, how many... I can't think of another game where you can dual-wield shields, you know? Like, it's just... It just is really cool. And you still can have like your your bow and arrow and use archery and different things like that. I really, I really enjoy all that. The nice stuff is, is so it is a little bit more complex in the combat than even Odyssey. Like I feel like in Odyssey, it was very easy still to parry. This one, you have to have the timing for the parries down really, really well. And those can open up either the, for the stun attacks or, you know, just be able to open up the different assaults that you can do. You still have the light attacks. You have heavy attacks. And even when you have a shield, if you're holding it in the guard, you can like tap your guard button and they'll do a bash in which will open them up. So it just really feels very fluid combat, which I like. And then you also get these like power moves abilities. The two I have right now are one where you can run forward, tackle a person onto the ground and just beat the shit out of them with your fists. Oh my. You, but you have to like alternate between left left bumper, right bumper. So you can like stay on top of them balanced and stuff like that. And then they can push you off. Like if you don't get the timing, right. Or the other one is where you, you get throwing axes and you just start like chucking throwing axes at all the people in range. And it's a super cool animation because it's like, you can hit like three other people. And so Avor just starts chucking axes everywhere and then finishes off with this big leaping, throwing two axes at once move and it, oh it's so cool i the think i remember of this seeing that from like the trailer and i was like yeah it does look pretty cool oh, it's, it's so cool um another thing that i like that is a difference from odyssey that i think is an improved difference is how you use because for origins and odyssey you've had birds to provide like be your scouts like in in origins it was an eagle well i guess in both it was an eagle in this one it's a raven because it's Norse. But I like though that they've kind of mixed match they've two they've matched two these two abilities together. Because like I said, in Origins and Odyssey, that introduced where like the birds would be able to provide you this view and scout ahead for you. In the old games, in the original, like in the original Assassin's Creed, you would have Eagle Vision, 
I believe in that game you would hold down like triangle and you would get like a burst that would like show it would like change your view where you could see things that you weren't supposed to see or like give more information or you could tag enemies with it and stuff like that. But in Odyssey and Origins, Origins especially, I noticed it more, you could have your eagle fly up, flying up above you. You can get to where the, the objective is, send your eagle up, and in two seconds, you have tagged every enemy that's in that location. You have tagged every treasure chest. You have tra- tagged basically every secret for that location within seconds. This one changed it where now you send your raven up. It will just show you... It will just highlight the area you're supposed to look and it will maybe show you like some other key information. Like here's like a treasure area over here, but it won't give you details. You can't scan at least where I am at this point in the game. It may change later on as you get more abilities, but you can't scan enemies. You can't tag the enemies. So then once you leave that, you can just see everything in front of you, but it does give you. So it's more of like a directional thing. And then once you get closer, I do too, because then once you get closer to the objective, then you can use the new version of Eagle Vision, which is Odin's site, and then you can tag everything. So I like that it's not so much of a, it it just seemed too OP for me in Odyssey and Origin that like you just send this bird up. And then honestly, like I know it's a video game, but in all, like, how is this bird telling you what video, what dudes are there? And like, yeah, just, where is a treasure he, like, chest is out his and phone like that. and like texting them to you with yeah, his little taking talons. like snapshots and stuff like that. No, <laughs> so it makes more sense that you kind of like use it more as a the Raven in Valhalla as a directional piece, yeah. as opposed to just you know, hey, here's literally everything you want to know about this spot. Yeah, that's it makes like it just feel like. Yeah, it's it's just a much better in like engagement into it, like making you feel like you're the one doing the discovery and stuff like that. So I really like that. Um, it's also interesting that it's changed away in how it h- handles your health. Your health will no longer auto generate. So you have to uh, f- either find food th- around you, like berries, pots of people using that are cooking stuff. You can collect this food from to fill up your bar. And then once your health bar is full, you then start storing those food that you find as rations, which is what you can use later on. If you start getting damaged, you can hit the button to activate your rations and it'll heal. You'll eat and heal. But the thing is, if you don't eat, if you don't heal, even like completing checkpoints and missions won't refill your health bar. So, and when the game starts, you can only store one ration. So it's, so you really like get this one, you get like your health bar and then just like a little bit extra. But then if you're so like, if you're in a big boss fight, like you got to either run away, go find some extra food, just die and restart and, or, and try again. But I really like that because even in Odyssey, if you were in a hard fight, you could just go hide for a second, like get, break the line of sight, hide and your health would refill. And then you could just go back out there again. Yeah. And so I like that this one kind of doesn't allow you to do that. I tried. I did try to like go and hide somewhere and see if it would work. And no, you don't re- reset your health at all. You have to eat. Good. I, I, so like, I was that like too. That's cool. I really like that. Yes. Just in general, like in video games, because I, back in my day, <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> there really was like this shift between actually having to gain health somehow versus then games took this turn into, oh yeah, you're always going to auto regenerate health. Right. And then it's like, but why? You're not explained it to me. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm supposed to be a normal human. How am I regenerating? How am I yeah. regenerating this? So I really like that 
hopefully there's a bit more of a trend back into the land of no, you're not actually a superhuman that can constantly reheal yourself. You do actually need to do something to get that mm-hmm. reward. So I like that change too. Well, which actually lends into another point that I like about this is that early on in Odyssey, it kind of embraced that you were kind of a demigod or had supernatural powers because you had the spear of Leonidas, which allowed you to do incredible feats. Like it could give you extra power in your attacks, you know, like make you like super strong. It can reheal you and all this other stuff. It kind of did that in Odyssey. This one seems a lot more. I know it's going to veer later on from what I've seen. I think it veers later on more into more like the mythology and supernatural of Norse culture. But for now, you are just seeming as like a regular person without these like superhuman abilities. I think it's it's been. You know, there's something special about you like some kind of like inherent trait about you that I haven't super dug into yet, but it's not like in an odyssey. It was like, as soon as you started, you're like, I've got the spear. It allows me to do really cool shit. This one is a lot more grounded. I feel like outside of that, which I know the Assassin's Creed games aren't set in actual real, real world. Like it has the supernatural element to it, but I do have always appreciated the games that didn't lean into that part as heavily. So I like that. It is more of a, I guess grounded. Yeah. Just like more realistic look or feel to the game, which I really enjoy because I like, I technically don't mind that there's the modern world component to these games, but I am here specifically to play in the timeframe that the game's supposed to take place. And I want it to feel as close to that as I can. So I really appreciate it with this one that you're not just immediately like, Oh, I am a very powerful person (sighs) and I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of gum. Yeah. You know, it's so it's, it's, it's not quite like that. You are a badass. Those Eivor, like make no mistake. Your name is actually Eivor the wolf kissed because you have like this nasty scar on your neck for when you were bit by a wolf. Fancy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, It's really cool too, because it does have a lot of cosmetic stuff too. Speaking of the, the wolf scar, you can get tattoos and like go to a tattoo shop to get, to change them up and, and have different things like that. You can also find schematics for those throughout the world or you can buy them from merchants, different things like that. There is a lot more of a focus of, and again, kind of a callback to the older games where like an Assassin's Creed two, you could upgrade the villa, your villa. This one, you upgrade your settlement and you try to expand your settlement. The bigger you grow your settlement, the more merchants and things you're going to have available to you. So there's even this little bit of community builder in there that you get to work around with and you get supplies to be able to upgrade your settlement by doing like raids and everything, which are super fun. You're rowing along your in your longboat along the river. You see a place you want to raid. You hit the button to activate the sequence. Eivor blows her war horn. The, oh, goodness. the boat like just rams ashore. All the Vikings jump out and you run up and just start wrecking shop. It is the super cool feeling. Yeah. It's just like really, it's just like you get that adrenaline rush and you're like, oh yeah, let's go. Let's go a Viking, you know? And so it's just, I really just love the feel of it. Uh, there is... Again, having that cultist system from Odyssey that is brought over into Valhalla and kind of like how you do uh, know who your assassination targets are going to be. There's also some fun mini games throughout. Like there's one, this game, you play the game Orlog, which I'm assuming was a real game from back back in the day. I should have done a little bit of research on that. Maybe not. But it's still, it's still super fun because you like roll these die that have either like an axe, arrow, shield, helmet, a hand, 
and then and stuff like that. But basically, like you can play the arrows. The opponent has to play uh what have to roll die and then choose to keep die that will like counter or be able to attack. So like if I played three dice that have arrows on them, they have to be able to play three shield die or else to block all that damage. Or if they don't like to say they've only played two, then the third arrow is going to hit kind of thing. Hmm. And so it's kind of like, yeah, it's where it's kind of like Yahtzee though, where you roll the five die and then you pick which ones you like, then you reroll again, pick which ones you like, and you can do that three times, but then you can like invoke these God favors and different things like this, just like from by collecting tokens and different stuff like that. So it's really fun and a fun thing. It's kind of like the Gwent of the Witcher. I see. It's, yeah. it's kind of like this fun mini game. You can play people against as you go to these different villages and stuff like that. And of course, the wonderful flighting, the like Viking rap battles that you get to do, those are pretty fun. I will admit, though, the first time I I tried doing it, I got it wrong and did not do very good because I did. Was, you get served? I got served pretty bad. Oh, Fortunately, he's just a dude like trying to teach me, so he's like, "Ah, it's okay. We'll try again later." Ooh, and when we tried harsh. again later, I was much better. And then I did just actually uh, do a flighting competition with somebody I just met out in the world and I kicked their ass. So I was very happy oh, about that. What a poor bastard. <laughs> I know they, they just could not withstand the might they of my couldn't words. couldn't handle it. <laughs> couldn't handle it at all. Uh, and then also I think the other really big thing that I want to touch on is that it does have a lot, you know, obviously it's an open world and you've got to make that open world fun and, and or exciting to explore and to be around in. And they do that in really fun ways. Each region has three uh, things that you can collect wealth, mysteries and artifacts mysteries are kind of like world event kind of things and so you in each region you can go and discover all of these things which the mysteries are fun because those usually lead to some either like a flighting competition or maybe like a side quest wealth is what gives you things to be able to get better armor and better gear or upgrade materials for those things artifacts are just like your standard collectible but it looks to be in most areas 20-ish of those each. So like it, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to look around and discover. And I really like that. Um, I don't really want to go too much into the story stuff because I am a still fairly early on into it and don't want to, and don't really necessarily have a lot of thoughts on to where it's going yet. Other than it is just like, it's been an enjoyable story. I've liked how it ties together its quest lines and like gives you these branching, uh, branching, branches i guess to be able to go off and explore you know those branching uh, branches yeah, those branching branches branch. with, yeah with the twigs <laughs> and the leaves and yeah anyway so uh you know it gives you a lot of good stuff there i'm really enjoying seeing i really am enjoying avor as a character uh she's really awesome to get to play as so i don't have as many thoughts there the one big detractor that i am having with the game to just kind of sum up my thoughts on this is that and i'm not sure if it's the design i'm not sure if it's a bug I did a little bit of research and watched other people's YouTube videos to see if what I was experiencing was the same, but it really seems like the music isn't playing correctly at sometimes like huh. there'll be like a big cinematic end or like to a mission or something like that. And I'm like, I'm expecting a tip, a big like Assassin's Creed musical number here and I'm, and it's not there. And so huh. it's almost like, it's all like, I, 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 and so I've gone and like watched other people's videos of places that I've been and I'm like, okay, then that maybe isn't right. Then I have seen people in forums talking about some like music bugs and things like that, but it seems much more pronounced than what I'm experiencing. It's just, maybe it's also a setting with like some of the immersion and everything into it too. I don't know. They don't want it to be as, as uh, orchestrated as it was before with some of the bigger musical notes, but also that's like, that was one of the really cool things like with, with uh, Odyssey, when you would level up, it would give you this 
big like musical cue and like there'll be this flash and everything. And some of those big musical cues seem to be kind of missing. Now, granted, that's yeah. not a deal breaker and it's not like, oh, this game's unplayable because of it. But it also I have there have been a few moments where I'm like, I, I mean, feel like something's missing. Here. Yeah, it does impact player experience because yeah, I agree sure. if you're if you're making progress and you don't, you know, games reward gamers in many different ways. And those little small cues like that are some of the things that you instantly take in and you're like, oh, yes, I'm mm -hmm. doing great. I'm making progress. So I totally get it. If you yeah. feel like that's suddenly missing from a game or there's no no audio or visual cue that you've done something good that mm -hmm. that that sounds like you know just just a little bit of a a little a little minus a, a con yeah. in the con list well and because i'm very very excited i like i especially with this one i really i really want to hear the music because a it's jesper kid and sarah shackner coming back with jesper kid yeah. used to do a lot of the old uh, the old Assassin's Creed soundtracks that I love. And then Sarah Shackner is fantastic as well doing, you know, Anthem, uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. And so many of these other recent games that have been just fantastic tracks. Like she's one of my favorite composers right now. And so I really want to enjoy it. And so I'm kind of like, I feel like I need more. Maybe I'm just not, maybe it's just how they designed it. And I'm just not, haven't quite clicked into it. What I have heard though is outstanding. So uh, the soundtrack definitely is not a detractor in itself. I'm just slightly worried about it's how it's being included. So I'm wondering if that's like something that's wrong and they're going to be fixing in a patch or if it's just, I have bigger expectations than what are there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I but get overall it. I am super enjoying Assassin's Creed Valhalla and I can't wait to dig into it more. I kind of set myself up for failure though. I realized because I'm now playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla Skyrim and then next week we'll be starting cyberpunk. So you I might have specifically said like <laughs> weeks ago that you weren't going to do Assassin's Creed because of cyberpunk. And now I look where you pulled, are. I couldn't help myself. Mogan, the game looked you're too damn good. You're and ridiculous. I'm, I know. I know. I <laughs> you're am. never going to make it back. I set myself up for failure way too much, sure but did. anyway, it's, it's, it's great. It's fun. I, I would recommend if you've been a fan of the Assassin's Creed series or looking to jump in, I think Valhalla so far is a great starting point. So because of yeah. how much specifically it is combining old influences of the games with the newer influences of the games. And I think it feels really like a good mix of the two. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, I will probably not play it. But, I, I assumed. But, I assumed. But that's not for any particular reason. If anything, it's just because um, because it's so hot right now. And you know, mm -hmm. I have to be mm -hmm. deep in my soul. I'm a natural contrarian. So I'm like, I'll play it five <laughs> years from now when, I don't know, Russia's back in style or something. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, again, there's uh, really no reason that I don't play Assassin's Creed games. I just never have. Like well, if, they're, just, if they're just not yeah. something that dra that draws your attention, you know. If anything, the older ones have more like storytelling appeal to me. That's mm. not the right word for it. I like stealth. I do really like the stealth aspects of the older games. So if yeah. anything were to drag me in, it would have been those. The newer ones, as much as I want to have two shields and turtle up and bash people Tur with the shields, yeah, uh, you know, it's just it's probably not my cup of tea. Yeah. But no. doesn't stop other people from enjoying it. So who cares? Yep, that's right. Have a blast being a Viking. Yeah. Go nuts. But now I'm very curious to find out about this game, The Return of the Obra Din. What are your first impressions of this boy, title? Boy, don't I wish I could explain it 
<laughs> well to anybody. <laughs> it's so hard to explain if you can't visually see it because the visual aspect of the game is one of the biggest components of it. It's so hard to describe, but I will do my best. So Return of the Oberdin actually came out in 2018 for Mac and Windows. So it was Mac. first on Mac and Windows in October of 2018, and then it took a year from then to October 2019 to be ported to Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. So it is now available for basically all platforms except for handheld, you know, iOS. Uh, but it it took a little while for it to get to that point. But when it came out in 2018... Yeah, I think I remember this at the Game Awards. Um, it won quite a few and or mm -hmm. was nominated for a couple of different categories. And now I'm very rapidly realizing why, uh, because it's a fascinating game. Uh, so this is straight from the Wikipedia. I'll give you the baseline of it. Return of the Oberdin is a puzzle video game created by Lucas Pope. So Lucas Pope is actually already pretty fairly well known uh, because he also did the notoriously famous um, and notable Papers, Please. Do you ever, mm. have you oh, heard okay. people talk about Papers, yeah, Please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that title. Yeah. I know the name. Yeah, it's really popular. Um, so anyways, he did Papers, Please, and this is his newest game, uh, Return of the Oberdin. I'm not sure if he's done anything new since Return of the Oberdin, but he does appear to be more or less a one-man show. So take your time, buddy. You, you take all the time you need. Another actually, concerned that, ape on our hands. Yeah, that might not be... Let me actually check the development notes real quick. Speaking of concerned ape while you're looking that up, I did my uh, Spotify year in review kind of thing that they always send out, and concerned ape was my top artist. Excellent. That's really <laughs> funny. How much are you listening to the Stardew Valley soundtrack? I, I mean, I, I didn't think... I was kind of surprised. I was also like, okay, this makes sense, but then I was also like, I don't feel like I listened to it a lot, but I guess earlier this year in early quarantine times, Sam and I were playing a lot of co-op Stardew Valley. And when we do that, oh. we turn the soundtrack on in the background. So I bet that's kind of what like set it off. But yeah, gotcha. I got, I got that. I was like, okay, I'm into it though. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is correct. Do correct me if I'm wrong, but Lucas Pope appears to be the sole developer of this game. So good job, buddy. Excellent work. Uh, so the game is inspired by early Macintosh computer games, and it's described as having a first person one bit, not eight bit, not 16 bit, one bit monochromatic graphical style. So I will try badly to explain what that looks like if for those of you that can't see it yourselves. So it is a stark and very striking black and white, you know, color palette, air quotes around the color palette. There are gray tones achieved, but that is simply by virtue of where the pixels the most dense and where they kind of distributed out with the word not dissolved diffused diffused out this looks just like it looks like those old mac games right so it's almost like it's it's not like pixel art like i mean it is pixels but it's not like what you would expect with like an 8-bit game it's almost like it's a bunch of little circular dots yeah exactly right like wouldn't you kind of say that yeah it's it's like just a bunch it's but pointillation, 
pointillism. There, there's there that art phase called pointillism, but <laughs> it's obviously you know much more artistic. Whereas Oberdin is like extremely precise. It is mm-hmm. very precise pointillism rendered in a 3D environment, yeah. which is so weird and interesting to see in action because it's a first person game and you're in a 3D space. And when you're walking around, obviously this what looks like a static illustration you know, moves around with you. It's actually not static. You are in a 3D space, but if you're standing still, you know, it looks like you're just looking at a still image, but you're not. And it just, it blows my mind. So Uh, it's still when you're walking around and everything, it's still like you're, it's a smooth, like kind of like what you would expect in like, well, I guess any other game or when you're like a firewatch kind of thing and how you move around. It's not like you're presented with a screen, like the old Mac games no. were like that look like this, where you like have the one screen in front of you, you like click around to discover things, then you move to a new one. Like it's yeah. a fully 3D space that you can walk around in. It is a full 3D Interesting. space. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's so crazy. That's that's a good comparison because exactly like you said, a lot of those older games were either a flat space where you could click around and move your third person view character, or mm-hmm. you were in first person, but it was still a flat static space, and you would just kind of click around to see what you could interact with and then you'd have to click a button to move to the next area and that is Mm -hmm. not what this game is it's a fully rendered modern 3d game just in the style of these older like early 90s like mac games and that's really cool wow this is wild so seeing it in action um and you know there is actually action taking place so when you are going through how the game kind of progresses you there are these beautifully done like freeze frame action scenes which i'll kind of describe a little bit more later but they are just it's a very impactful game uh when i first like actually started playing it and got to the first like action scene i was like what in the sam hell is happening in this game (laughs) so what is happening in oberdin so return of the oberdin and oberdin is two words o-b-r-a space d-i-n-n the oberdin itself is a ship so this is a classic ghost ship investigation premise which in like literary context and just in storytelling context in general the trope of the ghost ship is one of the most time-honored traditions both in standard media like literature and film uh, and, and movie not movies uh tv shows of course almost every show has a ghost ship episode star trek has ghost ships probably star wars had at least one ghost ship at one time uh wind waker has a ghost ship literally called the ghost ship that you go and explore uh so they're all over the place and if you're familiar with the trope the basic premise is a ship and this is the case for this game as well the oprah din has been missing at sea for five years and all of a sudden it has come back to port but everyone of the 60 passenger crew is either missing or they are dead and you Mm. have to figure out okay if they're missing where are they and if they're dead how did they die and the reason that you're investigating the ship is that you're an insurance investigator (laughs) which i love it when games Mm. do the unlikely protagonist yeah like i'm just an insurance guy i'm just here to like take some notes from a boss and then I'm going to go back, go back to headquarters and then report on what happened here so that they can cash out the insurance. It's like, yeah, 
yeah, I'm on board with that. Literally, we're on board the ship together. <laughs> so you're you're an insurance inspector, inspector hired by the East India Company in. 1807. So the Den would have disappeared in 1802. Is my math right? Yes, yep. just five years. Okay. So the Oberdin disappeared in 1802. It is now 1807. The ship has come back to port. Everyone is dead or missing, and you're trying to figure out what happened on this ship. Because you can tell when the ship come back, comes back to port, it's not in good shape. And mm-hmm. the intro that you're given to the ship is really interesting. So it starts with kind of a blank screen. And this is something that really shocked me about the game, because based on what I had seen, I didn't think that this is going to be part of it. You're greeted with kind of a blank scene and some text, but there is actually really well done voice acting all oh. over the place. Okay. So you're on a rowboat and you can kind of tell just from the noises that you're on a rowboat but you don't actually see it in motion so you're being rowed out to the Oprah Den, you know wherever it's kind of out in the bay and the guy rowing you out there is like oh doesn't look good you know giving you those early heebie-jeebies about like mm-hmm. oh that's can't, can't be good everybody on the ship's dead and it's like yeah i know i was hired for this just get, just give me to the ship bro so you pull up to the Oprah Den in your little dinghy and you have to ascend the ladder onto the ship and you also have to take with you a mysterious box that you've been instructed not to open until you get to the ship. So you're trying, you're going around the ship and you initially ascend and you you tell the guy in the boat, hey, toss me up that box once I'm up on deck. Uh, so you go onto deck with nothing equipped. You just have your hands, which you can't even really see most of the time unless you get to a doorknob or something, in which case one of your hands will appear and you'll be able to interact. But your first experience on board is you just kind of wander around this totally empty empty ship until you find your first corpse. Mm. So you find the first guy, he's just skeletal remains in some clothing on the main deck. And you're like, oh, this can't be good. It's at that point that you find this corpse that you hear the guy down in the dinghy say, oi, I can't lift this. It's too heavy. You're going to have to come get it yourself. So you go back down to the rowboat and indeed the box is very heavy. So you're not going to take it on board with you, but you can open it right then and there, and you take out two items. One, a journal, and two, an item called the Memento Moritum. The point is Death Watch. It's a Death Watch. So it it literally looks like just a little, not a stopwatch, like a pocket watch. It's a little pocket watch with a skull in the middle because it's very metal. Uh, And it's like, it it basically means Death Watch, which is what I'm going to call it from now on because I'm not going to say memento, whatever. Uh, But so you take this Death Watch and a very interesting journal. And the journal is written by someone that you can't quite identify yet. I don't think it's stated who's actually writing it. But the gist, and again, this is very in like the literary tradition of if you're reading this, it means XYZ thing has happened to me and it's bad news bears. So basically what you're being told is here's the passenger list. So the journal includes the passenger list of all 60 passengers, including both crew and the passengers themselves. It also includes a few photos, which you're like, what could these photos relate to? And of course, it's the early 1800s, so the photos are really poor quality. And of Mm -hmm. course, in the game's pointillism style, they're even worse quality once you get into the backgrounds of these images. But you can kind of make out certain details, such as 
facial hair on, on some of the characters. Are they wearing a hat? What's their clothing like? Do they have any notable tattoos or piercings? Because, you know, these are sailors. They've probably got some defining characteristics. Right. And that'll become very important later on. So these photos tell a very unusual initial story because the first photo you're given is one of just the entire you know, all the passengers and crew up on board the deck of the Oberdin having a grand old time. It's like a party. There's a couple mm-hmm. of dudes arm wrestling. There's women dancing in the background. There's people just drinking and having a grand old time. Nice. So you gather party that when they, Yeah, it's a party barge. Exactly. <laughs> so you gather that when they first set out, everything was cool because the Oberdin was meant to go, I think from maybe England, like somewhere in England and or the Iberian Peninsula, it was meant to go from there all the way down to the Cape of Good Hope. The Cape of Good Hope. Yes, I got it right. There we go. Uh, Which is all the way down on the tip of South Africa. So it was going on a hell of a long journey by 1800s um, definitions. So the next couple of photos you get are kind of centering on the most unusual air quotes, the most unusual passengers on board, the Formosans. So I'm not sure if this is correct, but I would describe their look as vaguely Polynesian and mm-hmm. or Thai. Uh, I should probably look that up real quick. Formosan. Okay, the first hit is a Formosan subterranean termite. Taiwanese! I was almost close. I was vaguely close. Uh, so anyways, so they hail from approximately modern day Taiwan um, is where these Formosan passengers come from. And there's only about, I would say max four to five of them. There might be a couple more than that, but in their image, like the photo that you have of them, there's four of them. Mm. There are two guards and two people that look like they're really, really well-dressed. So you gather that whoever these Formosans are, they have hired guards who look really official, and they themselves are just really nicely. So they're probably some sort of maybe royalty. You're not entirely sure, but they're definitely like upper crust. Wherever it is that they're from, whoever their family is, they're up there. So you get a quick image of these Formosans, and then the next image down is a still photo of a hanging at sea, because they are executing, and and then the photo is titled Justice at Sea, because they are killing someone on board who you can kind of tell from some of the little details is one of the Formosans. So they're executing one of the Formosans, and again, the entire ship has come out to see this execution, so you're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. What, what what led to this event? Everybody was having a good time. Quick cut of the Formosans. And then, oh, we're executing one of the Formosans. And now everybody's dead and it's a ghost ship. What the hell happened? Interesting. Here? So probably some correlation between those two events. Probably some correlation between those two events. And I just love the setup of this mystery and how it just immediately lays the groundwork of a few, just a handful of puzzle pieces already in place. And then what really feels like a daunting task of going through 60 people and identifying via some built-in game mechanics, what's this person's name? How did they die? And if they were killed, who killed them? The Mm. alternative is, who is this person? 
where are they if they're missing? Uh, no, like, are they missing? Who is this person? Are they missing? And if they're missing, where are they now? So that's your task. Identify every missing and every dead person on board. And you do that using your stopwatch. So that initial corpse you go to the very first time. You circle back up on board. You've got just this journal and your watch. And you're going to go through methodically and work your way backwards. Because oh. in the journal... The journal that you're given, it just kind of has blank pages all over the place, but there are chapter titles already filled out in this journal, and you can tell through the chapter titles that shit went down. Because it's, <laughs> it's like the first chapter is like, it's starting out a new day, a new hope, you know, something very like f- fuzzy like that. And then a couple chapters in, it's like, trouble at sea and you're like oh no what's happening and then a few others it's like an execution on board and you're like oh no what, what happened there and then at the last the last few chapters are like our impending doom and it's like oh no oh, god. what god oh, oh god oh man what have we done what have we done and then the end chapters are really like epilogue our reckoning we're all dead so just through the chapter titles you already get just this briefest of glimpses into sort of what happened but you have none of the filler and i think it's just so well done of giving you the bare minimum to hook you immediately because you really want to know what happened yeah but give you nothing to go off of so that's the, pretty cool it's pretty awesome and the way that you investigate each of these individuals deaths is using your stopwatch and this is just fascinating so you go to any given corpse and once you have your fancy dandy stopwatch uh your character kind of pulls up the stopwatch automatically once you're within range of any given corpse Mm -hmm. and you can activate it to go into like this briefest time travel back to the first few seconds right before that character's death. And this is where a lot of the voice acting comes in because what what actually happens is when you activate the stopwatch you will mostly get a blank screen, like nothing's actually happening. There's no movement. You'll get a blank screen, probably some text just telling you what the voices are saying because some of us need subtitles. Uh, So you get some text and the voice acting and a lot of really well done sound effects, actually. So like the sounds of the waves on the ship, the sounds of the rigging swinging back and forth, because this is an old galley ship. It's got like those Mm -hmm. big uh, sails. It's huge. So this gigantic ship it's got all kinds of sounds of its own. You can hear the ropes swinging. You can hear footsteps. And of course, you can hear people talking and interacting. So when you initially get to this first dead guy, there's this brief scene of like somebody, they're trying to enter a door. So they're trying to break into a door that you gather is the door to the captain's quarters because it's two guys trying to break in. And they're like, if you don't let us in, we're coming in by force and like muffled behind the door. You can hear the captain saying, well, come on in then I'll give you what you're looking for because they're trying to get something from the captain, but you don't know what. Mm -hmm. And then it flashes to like the present scene that the stopwatch is showing you. And it is this gorgeously rendered like freeze frame action shot of the guy in question being blasted in the face with a pistol The captain is like frozen in time, like shooting him through the door with his pistol. So you get this freeze frame that you're able to walk around in of, here's the captain. Here's what he's holding in his hand. It's a gun. What does the captain look like? I have to memorize his features really, really quickly. Who's this guy that he shot? 
What's the mm-hmm. guy that he shot wearing? Am I sure that the gunshot is what killed him in this birdie? What is she doing? <laughs> uh, here, finish this thought. I might need to go let her outside. Okay, gotcha. So basically you're just going through this frozen scene and seeing who was here. Was it just these two people? Are there witnesses? Who was here? What's everybody wearing? Because again, you don't know anyone's names. You have no idea who's who. What you're given is clues through those brief seconds before they died, and then the freeze frame itself where you get to analyze the scene. Once this scene that you're meant to analyze runs out of time, because the stopwatch only gives you in-game It might be like max one to two minutes of real time Mm -hmm. to analyze any given scene before it dissolves away. So you get that brief text, a bit of dialogue. You can hear what's going on. If you're lucky, there will be a specific person named. Like someone Mm -hmm. might say, Captain, we're coming in. So you know that at least one of the people in this particular scene is the captain. Everybody else is a mystery. So once you're taken out of the scene in question, the game will automatically pull up your uh, journal and it'll say, okay, here's that dead person you were investigating. Who are they? And if you have enough information at the time, you can start filling in, okay, this is their name. This is how they died. This is who killed them. But in the case of that first initial guy, you have no idea who the actual dead man is, but you do know how he died. He was shot in the face and you do know through context <laughs> clues, the captain shot him in the face. So you can already fill in two of those three blanks, but one of them is still missing. And that's exactly how the entire game progresses. Interesting. You, you work backwards because then once that scene ends, the game will open up or basically make available to you the next scene, which is available through the next corpse. So the very next corpse you find is the captain. You think, you think. So that's the thing about Oberdin is that nothing is ever, some things are straightforward. Some things are relatively straightforward, but there's a lot about the game, and this is really assisted by its minimalistic graphical style. There's a lot about the game that you're really not sure of. And mm. if there's five people in a given scene that were all there when somebody died, it, it can be a real struggle to go, okay, who's in this scene? Who do I know for sure is who's who? Who are these other people that I don't know? Am I sure this dead guy is the person that I think they are? Because sometimes there's not a lot of them left. Oh. <laughs> you might get lucky and have a guy that got shot in the face uh, be laying on the deck and all of his clothes are intact. But you might also have people that got straight up exploded by cannon fire. So you're like, cause of death? explosion (laughs) vaporized vaporized identity unknown (laughs) and and the game does give you a little bit of help here because the passenger list itself is somewhat detailed it includes the passenger's name uh what their occupation is so if it's like okay this is so-and-so they're the first lieutenant and then it also includes where are they from which is actually proving to be much more important than I initially thought it was because in those voice acted scenes that you can hear but not see, there are accents. There are really well done character accents. So if there's only two French people on board and you hear a French accent, bitch, that's one of the French. And you're like, yes, all right, you're the French. <laughs> so these, these incredibly detailed context clues are what help you put together this mystery, in addition to these beautifully done freeze frame action scenes. And uh, uh, one of the biggest things that 
makes these scenes so impactful is the music that plays once you activate a given scene. Because nice. there's this great buildup. Like the way that they set the scene is beautifully done. It could, because those uh, dialogue scenes just like they build up that tension and it goes from being a black scene to bam, here's the death freeze frame. And then the music kicks in and you're like, oh my God, there's so much happening here. Time to start sleuthing. Yeah, and then you have to frantically run around and try to put together as many clues as you can and try to figure out what's going on. And then the scene ends and you're on to the next scene and you are methodically working your way backwards from who was the last person killed to who was the first person killed what actually Hmm. kicked all of this off and there's some really great um again i don't want to spoil too much aside from those first two deaths i'm not going to go into any of the other details of the game other than that you are pretty sure that whatever happened on board this ship is probably not entirely natural you get through some early context clues that like, ooh, is there a curse happening here? Is there a ghostly ghost ship curse nice. happening? So you're not really sure what it is. Could it be just, is it normal human folly? Are you being led astray? Is it not a curse at all? And it is just a fantastically gripping mystery that is set up so well beautifully executed the music is phenomenal when you're not in a scene there's very minimalistic music there's really just sound effects uh, but they are done to such a degree of perfection that it makes you feel like you're the insurance broker (laughs) and it's so funny because whenever he comes out of any given scene depending on how dire the scene was you might see his hand holding the stopwatch shaking and like, Ooh. and and the music will be like, duh, it'll be like these really just low but frantic strings, like violin mm-hmm. strings, that just give you the sense of doom, anxiety. The insurance broker is scared of what he's seeing, and it's like, oh, this is so good. I love it. So I'm not done with it yet, but it is because it's hard. So, this so sounds like there's a lot that you have to put together. So there's, yeah, there's, like I'm not, I'm not doubting it. It's much more of a logically challenging game than I thought it was going to be. And I, I'm really enjoying it. Like part of me wants to be like, just want to look it up. Gosh, ugh. but the game does help you. Again, the passenger list is very helpful. It also gives you a list of options of ways that people could die. So mm. there's not infinite ways. There's a given list. Stabbed, conked on the head, exploded, uh, strangled, drowned. So there is a given list. So again, that just helps you whittle down your context clues to, okay, what actually happened? Uh, And I think that for being made by one person, being not a very expensive game, I think I snagged over Din for $8, $10 on sale. Uh, I got it on the Switch, and I am just having a really good time, uh, a really enjoyable time playing it. I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to find out, like, why they execute that guy. What's up with the Formosans? Mm-hmm. Did they bring the curse aboard or was it the French? I feel like it's always the French. It's not really. <laughs> and French listeners, I love you. I'm just kidding. But yeah, uh, so Return of the Oberdin is a wild ride. Um, it's an extremely gripping mystery. It's one of the best done pure mystery puzzle games I've played in 
many years. Uh, it, it's a really well done game. So 10 out of 10 would recommend. And I think most people agree because if you go and look up the reviews for this game, I think it still has a 10 out of 10. Like even on Steam, it's like, yep, 99.99% of people had an extremely positive experience. Nice. So even if it's hard, I would still recommend that you play it. Uh, you don't know for sure. And kind of the, the point of the game is that you'll never be entirely sure that what you said was right because the game lets you put in whatever you want for any given person's death. But mm. are you right? You don't know. It's kind of a mystery. So you, you're just doing your best as a poor insurance broker and you kind of just have to hope that you're right. Uh, and I love that the game doesn't expressly tell you, yeah, you nailed it. Got it. Good job. It, it's a mystery. The mystery is a mystery in and of itself. And I think that that's just what a fun idea for a game. That is really fun. How the hell did Lucas Pope think of this? Yeah. What? Like how, how do you how do you tie all these threads and narratives and everything together to I make it all make know. sense in the end? I, I, that's that's outside of my comprehension. Dude, he had to have <laughs> a like one of those criminal minds master walls of like the red thread and such to be able to actually like the, put this craziness together. Charlie and the yeah. always sunny meme. Exactly. Charlie from the always sunny meme. That's that <laughs> had to be what had to happen to be able to put this game together. Because it's yeah, for insane. Real. Uh, That's yeah. crazy. That's pretty interesting. So, it's, man, it's fascinating. Like, it's fun to see you keeping on with your old Nancy Drew mystery game influences. I'll never stop. Can't stop. Won't <laughs> stop. <laughs> well, to keep finding these really cool mystery games to bring I to know. us. That's really cool. I'm so because excited. we got. But yeah. So uh, how much? How like? Do you have any any idea like how far are you in? Like, are you? Do you think you're like halfway? Maybe early on still? Like, are you getting close? Because I'm very interested no. to hear once this game ends what your final thoughts are of it. I have uncovered some really interesting uh, components of the mystery. Some very Ooh. like bombastic stuff that you're thinking, like, oh, gasp. <laughs> but as far as how far I am. Uh, based on the passenger list, because you don't have to assign any given corpse like a determination at that time, you can come back to them later if you're just mm -hmm. not sure and you want to save it for later. So there are certain corpses that I've just kind of, all right, I'll get back to that later. I'm moving on right now. So I'm maybe halfway through. Okay. Maybe. Uh, and I've still got a fair number of chapters in that journal to fill in. So it's like, what could possibly happen in these in these scant well, and pages and i'm sure there's going to be some good twists and turns throughout too so oh yeah you know, for sure uh, any so good I'm, murder mystery has those i'm really so. looking forward to it and i'm really enjoying unraveling the threads of the mystery nice. so god damn lucas pope good game <laughs> a fine good game that's what that's what we'll, we'll just be like hey if you ever do a remastered version here's here's our critical review god damn lucas pope well, what a great funny game thing is that this this game is innately timeless because yeah. of the way it's designed it it won't really age mm-hmm it already is. It already is an aged game, but it's new. So it's like this game has staying power. It can last and last. So I don't care how old it is. Play, play Return of the Overden. Uh, you'll, you'll get something out of it. <laughs> what nice. you get out of it is up to you. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, I'm super excited to hear 
how this game winds up, you know, bringing about its conclusion and what you think of it, if it holds up, if it's quality that you're experiencing now stays yeah. consistent throughout the whole thing. If you were able to guess the ending before you get to it, like that would all, you know. Yeah. And at some point we're definitely going to do a deep story dive into it once I do actually finish it, but we'll save that for another day. Another day. So you have to come back and hear when we give our final review of Aura Mogan gives her final review of Return of the Obra Din. So a lot of mystery there. A lot of intrigue. Can't wait to hear about it. But uh, yeah, so that pretty much wraps up, I think, our, I believe, if you were finished with your first impressions, right? I am I indeed. To, okay, <laughs> That's all want to jump them. the gun. <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us today as we gave our first impressions for Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Return of the Obra Dinn. Have you played these games? and you have thoughts on them, well, of course, we'd like to know what they are. So please write us an email at teamchatpodcast.gmail.com. Comment on any of our social media where we post or on YouTube, wherever, Discord, we, wherever you get a hold of us, let us know your thoughts because we would love to hear about them and talk about these games with you there. So uh, do all that. But until next time, everybody, we will be back with another great episode, which it's the since the big old ga- list of games that Mogan gave at the beginning, you know that Cyberpunk 2077 is coming. So I bet you might have a little bit of a hint about what our uh, next episode will be talking about. But until we have the chance to jump into Night City, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined across the power of the internet by my co-host, Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.